everyone listening to Round Guys Radio Network. Real quick, why don't you sign up for our newsletter? Whenever we have a new episode, we have a newsletter release. The only time we push one out, go over to roundguysbrewery.com slash RGR. Thank you for listening. Yes, Marcus Baskerville, head brewer and co-owner of Weather Souls Brewing Company in San Antonio, Texas. And is this a, do you guys have a full service pub or is it just selling beer out of a tap room? Yeah, so we have a tap room food as well. We have one of the top barbecue spots in the city, a top barbecue that's uh, serving barbecue out of the kitchen. Um, and then as far as the tap room, uh, we did tap room sales and then we also did uh, distribution through Silver Eagle and then uh, self distribution outside of San Antonio. And what size brew house are we looking at? So I have a 20 barrel three vessel system. And you guys? And we have yep. about, I have two 20s, four 40s, two 40 barrel lager tanks, two seven barrel stout tanks, a couple two barrel bright tanks. Um, and then we're about to get two more uh, 10 barrel tanks for uh, some small batches. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Round Guys Radio Inside the Brewery. I'm your host, Bill McGinney. Today we have a very special little, actually it's like a sub-episode, but we're going to turn it into a full one, sort of. We'll make it work. This episode we're talking, as you've noticed, with Marcus Baskerville of Weathered Souls Brewing Company. He is indeed the creator of the movement, Black is Beautiful, and we're going to talk to him about this beer, about Weathered Souls. And give you a little bit more of a rounded image understanding of how this came about and who exactly the man is behind the movement. I encourage you guys to definitely check us out on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. And please, please give us a rating or review. It really helps us out a lot. Gets eyes on the podcast and also helps us gain visibility within those algorithms. In addition, you can learn more about this podcast by going to facebook.com slash roundguysradio. And I would love to hear from you guys. So if you have any thoughts, ideas, comments, suggestions, anything really, hate it, love it, send it over to bill at roundguysbrewery.com and I'll definitely take a read. Really appreciate everything guys do. Round Guys Brewing Company truly appreciates all the support we've received during this time of COVID. It's really helped a lot. During that time, we are able to do some really key things to the brewery to enhance your experience. We now have a full kitchen, full grill, so we can cook up some burgers, little flatbreads, and we can do veggie options, and we have fries, and we got all the good stuff, wings. So check that out. You can actually purchase anything you want online, or you can come into the shop itself, roundguysbrewery.com. You can find a purchasing link on there. In addition, you can learn more about this beer, the movement behind the beer. There's actually a poem from Didi Lofton that starts out, and I think it really sets the tone for what we're trying to accomplish with Black is Beautiful in Lansdale. I really think this sets the tone. So check it out at roundguysbury.com slash blackisbeautiful. On that site, you can order both the beer and you can provide additional donation. Or you can just, if you don't want to buy the beer, you can just shoot over a donation directly to the Ambler chapter of the NAACP. Real simple. Can't finish this intro without mentioning the support and the partnership we have as this is a collaboration beer with Wellcrafted Brewing Company right across the street 
awesome dudes. Check out their beer. We receive generous support, and we're very thankful for the support we receive from BSG Brewing, from Zuckerman Honigman, from Horizon Label LLC, and from Deer Creek Malt. Lastly, I just want to mention that I'm excited that an old co-host of mine, Steve William Johnson, is going to be back actually building his own show, The Tonal Shift, so look out for that. should appear on Round Guys Radio. Uh, it should appear on Facebook.com slash Round Guys or Facebook.com slash Round Guys Radio. And also we have Taco Night in Lansdale, former Glenside Alehouse chef Phil Deaver, as he shows you and guides you down the path of making awesome tacos. Recipes are on roundguysbrewery.com slash articles so you can make them at home. We have a partnership with the Headway Art Collective that you'll be seeing those guys actually painting on that show on Tuesday nights, 7 p.m. on Facebook. Really cool stuff. A lot of things going on. Without further ado, let's just jump into this episode and learn about the man, the mystery, and soon to be the legend, Marcus Baskerville. Marcus, tell me about your journey to beer, to craft beer. Yeah, uh, um, I got introduced to it through my brother and one of my uh, older cousins. Um, we also had a cousin that grew up in the Bay Area. He was actually one of the original members of the Brewing Network. Uh, let's see, first beer probably was a Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. Used to drink a lot of BJ's Red Ale. Used to drink a lot of uh, Pyramid Heffenweizen when they used to have a, a local brewery within Sacramento. From there, it kind of gradually grew the palate. When I moved to, well, actually about a year before I moved to San Antonio, it's about when I got into homebrewing. So my brother, I got like a Mr. Beer kit, and it was one of those things, well, I can brew better beer than you. You know, competition kind of drove me. We actually ended up doing two beers together, which the first one was, and the second one was at least drinkable, but really still wasn't that great. So then I ended up moving to San Antonio, taking a promotion with my job. At the time, I was a uh, fraud manager for Citibank doing a check fraud investigation. So I moved to San Antonio. I was still homebrewing quite a bit, actually. The distribution of beer available in San Antonio wasn't that great. So outside of trading, the only way to actually get really good beer at the time when I moved here was to brew it on your own. So that's kind of why I got into heavily into home brewing, where I was doing about two, three beers a month. From there, ended up starting to bring my beer to local uh, establishments, bars, and, and breweries. And this brewery let me do a uh, tap takeover, and the tap takeover went really well, and then they ended up hiring me as an assistant brewer. So I worked there for a year, kind of learned more so what not to do. And the process of that ended up meeting my business partner, um, and we used to go out, drink, that type of thing, became friends. After mm, about a year in, uh, we were sitting at a bar drinking, and I was like, when are we going to open a brewery? And he looked at me, and he was like, I've been waiting for you to ask me that. And we started working on the business plan probably the next day. There's a void of good craft beer in San Antonio. What years are we talking? 2013. And was Texas was Texas already a craft beer state at that point, or was it still developing? Yeah, it was still growing. I mean, you had obviously Jester King, so I was traveling to Austin to go to Jester King. Outside of that, San Antonio had, I think, four breweries at the time. Freetail, Alamo, Blue Star, and... There was one more, I think, brewery. I mean, at the time, 
you know, coming from the West Coast, I was more inclined to uh, West Coast IPAs, getting into the barrel aged stouts at that time, barrel aged sours. So Jester King definitely, uh, you know, I contributed to that fix at least. But outside of that, most of those styles and beers weren't available locally. looking good you guys are brewing up some phenomenal beer and more importantly you have some tasty barbecue which i'm sure really brings in a lot of people then we hit the spring we get a double whammy right we have the uh, coronavirus out there and i don't know how it was necessarily handled in texas up here in the northeast everything went went on lockdown right we couldn't really go outside and and go to any establishments similarly around that time while people had they had no distractions and they started waking up and seeing some of these issues that I think normally would be thrown under a rug, this police brutality issue, and we had this uh, this lady up in New York with a murder. Yes, certain overt racist actions that, for the first time, for whatever reason, white America is saying, "Hey, that's that's not right." Um, they're listening. They're listening to people who are advocating for change. When those events happen. What was your feeling immediately off the bat as you saw this cascade of events? What what was that that feeling you had? Kind of like, wow, again. I mean, you know, this has been going on for a while. So obviously, you know, some anger ensues, especially uh, looking at some of the experiences that you have as a young adult. I would say probably anger and disappointment was probably the main points that I felt dealing with the course of a few weeks where we had, what was it, three or four different deaths within the course of three weeks, two and a half weeks or so. So being said that, being the prideful black man that I am, you get some anger within that. And then your next thing is, is okay, things need to change, but what can you do? When did you decide you actually could do something? The last weekend of May, when um, the initial protests were in San Antonio were taking place, and I didn't go to the protest. And so for me, I was a little bit disappointed in myself for not participating in the protest. So at that point, I had to look at myself, well, you know, being a a black man, being a black business owner, uh, being a father of two daughters, uh, you know, that have to grow up in this community, uh, that have to grow up in this world at this point, what can you do to try to make some type of change or at least try to make some type of noise? So originally that Sunday I was toying around with doing the Black and Beautiful beer, but as a like standalone project for us uh, where I was just going to release a beer, donate some of the money. But then from there um, I had sent the label after I had uh, Kevin KD design go ahead and design my label. I sent it off to Jeff uh, Stuffing over at Jester King. Basically, he challenged me to turn it into a collaboration. It's turned into an amazing project that obviously, you know, our brewery has to be proud of. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying my conversation with Marcus Baskerville. I wanted to take a brief second to step away from the show as I have something hugely important to tell you. Our first IPA. Kiss Off IPA, the IPA that bore out of a competition back in 2015, is now exclusively mango. It's out, it's juicy, it's a medium full-bodied ale with rich grapefruit hop profile that you ever expect from Kiss Off. 
I'll be honest, this is my go-to beer from the last few camping trips. I love this beer. I even ended a couple of nights stargazing upstate with a few cracks of the old Mango Kiss-Off Ale, just in time to watch a brilliant moon rise at 3.30 a.m. Mango Kiss-Off, in cans, on tap, and all can be ordered online at roundguysbrew.com. Now let's get back to our chat with Marcus. For us in Lansdale, we, we're making a beer. We have many partners involved. We have in town another another brewery in town that's partnering with us on this. And we're getting those proceeds back to our local chapter at the NAACP in a neighboring town in Ambler. By every right, this awareness campaign seems to be working for you, right? 913 breweries as of today in early July on July 1st. 50 states, 17 countries. This is a lot of participation. I don't know what the numbers were for the um, for the campfire beer, but I feel like you're on par with that that level. Well, we got a few more breweries to go to reach that. Uh, we did surpass the All Together initiative, uh, but then even then, you know, the the people of the All Together uh, campaign have been a big help in getting us everything situated. Uh, even getting our website made for us and have basically been running the uh, back portion of the entire initiative. So that's been a awesome help and relief for us. But, you know, obviously, especially the competitive nature in me, I do want to see us pass the resilient camp uh, situation. But then also you look at the type of initiative this is, right? All together initiative was raising money for your staff, raising money for your brewery, you know, raising money for for uh, workers within the industry. The campfire was obviously dealing with the uh, fires in California and raising money for that. This is a call to breweries to deal with something that is a humanitarian issue that has been going on for decades upon decades upon decades. Being said that, we have 8,000 breweries just in the United States alone. Even with the amount of sponsors and vendors that are offering, uh, you know, discounted ingredients, discounted costs for packaging, cans, whatever the case may be, we should well pass two, 3,000 breweries if people actually really give a shit. This is Marcus. Hey, Marcus, how you doing? I'm doing well on yourself. Doing good, man. Doing good. Started a movement, dude. <laughs> yeah, a little bit, right? Do you feel that this moment right now, this moment with your initiative for Black is Beautiful, do you feel that this is a defining moment for Weathered Souls? It is becoming that, uh, definitely. I mean, that obviously wasn't planned when the initial initiative was kicked off because I look at this, and I've said this in other podcasts and interviews, that this initiative isn't about us, right? So, okay, yeah, I came up with the recipe, and we kicked off the initiative, but it's grown past 900 breweries in 17 countries. I think it's actually 19 countries now, uh, looking at the list today. Being said that, it's it's not about me at this point. It's not about the brewery. Um, it's about the message and, you know, getting these breweries to participate within their communities and start dialogue and conversation 
and communication with people that they normally would have. Uh, you know, implementing programs into their, their breweries to hire more people of color, to hire other demographics, breweries that don't have equality training, implement equality training within it. You know, those are all the important steps of what this initiative is about. As far as the defining moment has been, I guess it's more so like situations like this where we're having conversations. Um, I have a few like uh, symposiums and conversations where it's almost become consultant work. <laughs> There's some, some perks that have obviously come out of the initiative. Um, I'm going to get to do some fun collabs with some of my favorite breweries that didn't even know who we were before that and, you know, some fun things like that. But I think as far as defining who we are and uh, what we have to come from the brewery, we haven't reached that yet at all. This is something that comes up a lot, especially in uh, the craft beer marketplace and in, the, in, the, in our conferences and and on message boards. Um, have you experienced any kickback or pushback from what's <laughs> predominantly a white consumer base and even a white industry base? So us personally, not really. We've received a couple messages, obviously, uh, of the bull people of the, you know, the all lives matter and we're not going to support the brewery anymore. Well, that's fine. We don't want you to support us if that's how you feel anyway. But I have seen a lot of the conversations dealing with other breweries. Some breweries that are in Southern California have got a lot of clap back depending on, you know, their customer base. Uh, you look at the whole fiasco with that's been going on with Founders. Uh, but, like, a lot of people don't know that we had a conversation with Founders about three-ish weeks ago where uh, the VP of marketing contacted us and basically uh, asked for permission and asked how how they can participate and ask, you know, what they can do to start making a difference. Even being that, the prideful black man in me wanted to be like F founders. But then, you know, thinking about it and speaking to uh, a couple of people, you realize that, you know, people people can and will change under certain circumstances and pressures, right? So you look at the situation and it's like, you don't want to push anybody out. You don't want to deny anybody because, you know, at the end of the day, you start pushing all your allies out, then you're not going to end up with any. So even dealing with the whole founder situation, you know, there were certain stipulations for them to be involved. Uh, they can't make any other profits from the beer. Uh, you know, they're implementing, trying to implement programs within their own their own business, start making some changes internally, which they understand that they need to make. At the end of the day, you know, people are going to be upset and people are going to complain. And the whole aspect of it, there's going to be a lot more good coming out of it than few people that are upset that somebody's making a, a beer called Black and Beautiful. And most of those people that are upset don't understand uh, what the actual message is. You know, you get that, well, when are you going to come out with a, a White and Beautiful beer or whatever the case may be? And it's like you're missing the entire point of what this is about. I feel, and this is me talking to, as a brewery owner and as someone who's seen a brewery grow and see how the community you you build, you crop, essentially, in your community and then how you help out that town you live in, those people who are the ones who are going to come after you aren't fans of you anyway. You know, they're not the exactly. ones that really care about you. They're not the ones that care about being part of your business or being a customer there. They're not the ones who wear your business with pride. They never were. If you're pissing them off, that's good because it's making them think. Exactly. 
All right, Marcus, I held you for six minutes longer than I told you, but oh, you're good. I really appreciate it, man. Thank you for chatting with me tonight, and I hope you still get to see the kids before they permanently fall asleep. <laughs> no, thank you for having me. Yeah. We're going to go uh, play Legos right here. Oh, that sounds like a <laughs> great thing to do. All right, Marcus, thank you once more. All right, cheers, sir. You have a good evening. Wow. What a conversation with Marcus. Wasn't that something? Special thanks to the whole team at Weather Souls Brewing for the incredible work they did to pull this beer collaboration together. Big shout out to Kim who gets shit done, KD Designs for a label, and of course Marcus Baskerville for the drive to strive for a better world. If you like this podcast, please give us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel free to also join us at facebook.com slash roundguysradio or facebook.com slash roundguys or shoot me a line, bill at roundguysbury.com. Love to hear from you. Really love the support. Thank you again. Stay safe and healthy, everyone.